Talk Recorded live. Welcome to another edition of the WCBBN podcast. Today's date is 8-9 of 2017. Uh, tonight's program basically is on saving money or making money uh, with taxes. Um, it's with a gal I was introduced to by Reginald Murray. Her name is Amanda. We'll get her up here in a minute. Uh, my co-host is Will Langman, uh, which he's kind of out on the job at the moment, but will show up a little later on. So we will get to Amanda. So our guest tonight is Amanda Mitchell. How are you, Amanda? I'm doing good. How are you, Kevin? Uh, I'm still alive and kicking and uh, trying to make money. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Always, always about making money. Okay, uh, can you enlighten us on um, a little bit of that, saving money, making money, spending money? Absolutely. I'll Uh, I'll give you the floor so you go with what you want to go with. Okay, sounds good. Oh, my name's Amanda Mitchell, and I am the owner-operator of the company uh, WM Business Consulting in Jennings, Oklahoma. I specialize in maximizing profits for wildlife control uh, management companies. Um, I kind of like to focus on exclusion accounting concepts and things like that, trying to uh, make better budgeting decisions uh, that can help maximize profits all around. Um, I wanted to, I, I know that a lot of the people in this industry obviously aren't accountants. And normally when I start talking, they start either tuning me out or they tell me that I'm making them feel dumb. They don't understand what I'm talking about. So I kind of wanted to spend a few minutes explaining some basic accounting concepts real quick that can, just understanding them can help a business owner understand how money is flowing and how profits can be maximized just from these basic accounting concepts. Um, 75% of small businesses are established as sole proprietorships. And this means they're spending their days working hard in extreme temperatures to bring in every penny that they can make. They perform multiple activities that keep the business afloat. And those activities are non-income generating for the business. Um, The owner's time is more profitable if he can focus on what he does best, and that is generate the income for the business. So today I want to talk about a couple of aspects that any business owner needs to understand. That's basic financial concepts, exclusion project management, and tax planning. I know most people cringe when I they hear Accounting 101, and there is a reason for this. Most small business owners don't understand these concepts. They are running their business, flying by the seat of their pants, and hoping that one plus one equals two. But however, a very beginner understanding of this can help an, a company maximize the money that is coming in. It helps them see where the money went and where it is going and where it is at the time. So financial statements are uh, pretty much what accountants focus on. And there are two basic financial statements that a small business owner should understand. The first one is the income statement. 
Now, the income statement is a report that shows how the money of a company is made over a specific period of time. It's kind of a uh, historical view of how money is coming in and going out of the company. Um, to understand how an income statement is set up, you should think of it kind of like a step, uh, stairs to a step. So at the very top, you've got your revenues, and then below that, you reduce any like discounts, things like that. I don't think that's something you guys would typically use a whole lot. Discounts aren't uh, big in this industry. And then from there, you would uh, reduce any costs that is directly related to the projects. So we're talking any screws, nails, um, I guess bait and lure, obviously, uh, netting that you need to uh, maybe trap some bats or things like that. Uh, I've heard of all kinds of expenses that could be used directly. And then that will give you your gross profit. And then from there, you uh, reduce all the extra expenses. Uh, those that we call general and administrative, they are not directly linked to a job of any sort. So they're kind of a extra expense. And that is like the basics of the income statement. And then the balance sheet is the next financial statement that we use a lot. And really, all that is is a snapshot of the company's assets, liabilities, and owner's equity at a given time. Uh, that is used for decision-making purposes, just so you have an idea of how things stand. Okay. Another quick topic that I wanted to talk about is what we call cash versus accrual method accounting. Most people that are in a small business environment such as this use the cash basis of accounting. It's very, very simple, very easy to use, um, and that's why most people use it, of course. And that is basically you are given money, you recognize the revenue. You pay money out, you recognize the expense. Um, the problem with that is it is very misleading on your reports. It is hard to make proper business decisions based off this information. Really, if you're wanting to maximize the profits of your company and um, reduce the cost within your company, you should be using accrual accounting, and that's where accountants come in and they start playing the role because it is more complicated of an accounting method. And in this, we are matching the revenues to when it is earned and the expenses to when they are occurred. So you know what is actually costing you to operate within that month. And you can make better decisions. You can try some cost-saving methods, things such as that. Um, I guess that's the... Uh, Main basic 101 I wanted to go over with anyone. Does anyone have any questions on that? 
just a quick question is some of the materials that you mentioned uh netting for instance excluders uh -huh. uh, sometimes they're reusable they're, okay. they're it's a temporary install until permanent solution can be found. Once a company has acquired those items and they are considered uh, reusable and not a consumable or disposable and they don't stay attached to that particular job set, am I correct in that thinking? Okay, see something like that that would be used across projects, I would call a capital asset. Um, or a fixed asset, kind of. It's it's not a direct cost. Right. So um, that asset can actually be spread across multiple projects and expense over a period of time. Uh, what kind of dollar value are we talking for netting? Is it well, something that only costs? You you figure. 3,500 square foot of netting, for instance, depending on where you get it, who you go through, so on and so forth, is mm -hmm. uh, with all the fasteners and everything, you're looking roughly at about $7,500 for material cost. Okay. Now, that's on, a, that's on a permanent install, but if you if you purchase the same thing for a temporary install, let's say you've got a, a structure permanent install would be like to keep pigeons from getting in rafters and trusses on uh, steel buildings. Uh, uh -huh. Where it would be considered a temporary install is if you use that same footage to do a broadband exclusion on bats. So they could come out and you didn't have 400 ex ex excluder tubes sticking up under a soffit. You could just drop a net down and then you could you know, when you got your bats all out, go back in, seal, do your cleanup, and so on and so forth, your netting would come down at that point. Now, if it comes down and comes home with you to the office or wherever, it becomes company fixed asset over a period mm -hmm. of time, can't you depreciate that? Yes. And you take that depreciation expense on a monthly basis until it, it's reached a $0 asset value. Okay. So, yes, that's... I would say any tool or anything that spans across multiple jobs and is more than $2,000, definitely capitalize it. I, well, even... see, already you've told me something that three previous accountants have never told us. Gotcha. Well, that, the, and that's, a, that's something we use in um, – I work in the aerospace industry during the day in a manufacturing company. And uh, we ca that's our general rule of thumb is $2,000 for capital assets there, too. So, you know, that's a, a big business rule of thumb. So it sounds to me like you're the gravy when it comes to this in our industry and the accountants that I've dealt with before were telling me, no, don't do that, don't do that, because all it did was lighten their workload and what they had to figure out. And, to, and they don't understand I mean, they don't understand what it takes to do these jobs. Fortunately, I have friends, and my husband is in the industry, so I have experience seeing what it actually takes to do these. So I know that these are uh, actual business expenses, and they're not personal stuff. 
So any other questions we can think of on the uh, basic income statement and balance sheet? And like I said, I just wanted to give a brief, quick rundown of them because um, a lot of people are like, I have no clue what they are. Uh, is that an income tax summary, right, Reg? Yeah. <laughs> and I'll have to get you to show me. I mean, you know, here – We've operated in Oklahoma for what since 2015 years, uh-huh. and I'm concerned with what's going out and what the bottom line is. And I listened to what the accountants who didn't know mm-hmm. told me in the past, and I didn't concern myself with the stuff you're talking about. So now I'm gonna have to catch up and gotcha. get with you and have you walk me through. This is what I'm doing right. This is what I'm doing wrong. And this is yeah, yeah, because there is a. As long as it's for a business expense, you should be able to, as far as your books, um, there's not a whole lot of regulation on uh, accounting for the books, per se, but as far as accounting for taxes, there are some regulations, uh, but as long as it is a legitimate business expense, then you should be able to take it, as long as you can back up that it's needed for business and this is why it is needed. Well, yeah, I've got to get with you and sit down and and because you know if we're making five hundred thousand a year, I'm already mm-hmm. interested in what you've got to offer because if I'm making five hundred thousand dollars a year on the bottom line gross, why am I living like I've got twenty five thousand dollars a year to live on? Yeah, so something, absolutely. Something's wrong with our <laughs> our profit margin. <laughs> Or maybe well, it's going, you know, maybe it's going a dollar ninety nine on a brownie for a skunk trap, and I'm just not logging that. Right, and you absolutely should be logging that. That would be called bait, and that that is a completely legitimate expense for this industry. There is absolutely no reason not to take that. I'm glad okay, you. That- Go ahead. Basically, basically anything that um, say that I wear, whether it's a a great pair of boots that are maybe 180 bucks or 250 dollars, uh, a nice pair of Oshkosh uh, heavy pants for doing certain things on roofs, I can write all that off, correct? Oh, absolutely. It's okay. stuff that I mean, it is a business reason that you have it. Uh, if you think right. of it, my husband, he works in, he hauls crude oil in his day job. Well, his company buys him fire retardant uniforms because it is a job requirement. They write that off. Just as long as it is for stipulated for a reason within the industry. Um, we get a lot of questions thrown around um, on vehicles. Um, there's some of them say, well, you can go this way with mileage, but you can't do that, you know, because you're basically classified double dipping. Um, you could also write off, uh, like the wear and tear, the oil changes. What can you kind of go over some of that or, you know, just, just to kind of clear the air with some people that, you know, I realize each state is different on what you're allowed to use for a deductible gas mileage. Like here in Michigan, it's 55 cents a mile. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. Gotcha. So okay. if I charge 55 cents a mile, then I can't, like, deduct it to, that's what they call the double dipping part. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's in every state. If you're charging a mileage fee, you can't write off mileage. Right. That's a that's a federal law, but our our old accountants, and that's one thing all three of our old accountants did before but we found Amanda. But if you're reporting the revenue at 55 cents a mile, could you not take the deduction? The, it would have to be reported as revenue. If you take the deduction, you have to report it as revenue. So I guess that would be my biggest question. Are you reporting it as a revenue? Uh, I basically pay the tax on it is is the way I go about it in my end, my end of the deal here. Uh, I don't try to uh, get it back from Uncle Sam because I collect it through the customer. Gotcha. So I just pay but, the tax on it and, you know. Okay, so, but what I'm saying is, you're charging the customer. So at the end of the year, this charge that you're getting from the customer, are you putting it into your revenue bucket? I would have to say yes. Then you're getting taxed on it by Uncle Sam Mm -hmm. for something you should be getting a deduction for. So if you're getting taxed on it as revenue, you should be able to reduce your revenue by that as well. Okay. It should have a zero net effect on your taxes. See, and, and, and until I met Amanda, a lot of this stuff confused me, but the only thing that the previous three accountants we tried had in agreement was that because of the mileage we do, don't charge a client for mileage and don't deduct miles. Keep the fuel receipts because they'll wind up to be a larger deduction than what the government will give. That is so cool. we actually we actually keep yeah. all of our fuel receipts. That's now, kind of what I was thing, what I was asking in that. One thing that I would suggest is having separate vehicles. Even if it's you have your business vehicle, which is the real nice fancy, got your decals on it, truck that has all your equipment with it, and then have yourself a little cheap get around town type car then you've completely separated your business from your personal. Now your business vehicle should be 100% tax deductible. But that's but the key. Thought, you, have to, you have to separate I, the business from personal. I thought that as long as your vehicle was logoed, what was explained to me was as long as your vehicle was logoed, well, first of all, if it's logoed, you've got to have commercial liability minimum. But if yes. it's logoed, as long as it's on the road, it's advertisement, and you can deduct those mileage. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that I would have to research that in particular. I, I could see that being the case, but um, I, I haven't researched that in particular uh, issue. So, But my understanding is that the main key on automobiles is having business and personal kind of separated so that way you can deduct it fully and that means if you do that then the car payment is fully deductible insurance is fully deductible repair and maintenance is fully deductible 
gas is fully deductible. I mean, because you're not using it for personal at all. I can see that as being an advantage. Now, mm-hmm. off off topic just a little bit, and Kevin, this is something that Amanda beat into us is we have, should have been told when we originally filed our business entity to file as an S corp mm-hmm. and and not a sole proprietor like we started out, and then not move to an LLC like we're going, and then go through the trouble with S corp procedures now. Well, no. Uh, let's let's hang on. You have to be an LLC to become an S corp. Right. Okay. So the LLC was a good good move, but you should have done the S corp election sooner. And um, depending on the company size, choosing to be treated as an S corp can save the company anywhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars a year. So S-Corp for anybody is a good deal that's running Um, a business. Well, yeah, you want to go ahead and get it done early because basically what happens is if you don't elect – well, first off, let me start. S-Corp election is a tax treatment election. It's not a legal entity recognized by, like, courts and whatnot. So you have to have your legal entity. You'll have your LLC or your – C Corp, and then you'll take those and you'll fill out a form for the IRS, and that form, you're telling them you want to be treated as an S Corp for tax purposes. When that happens, you are issuing out 100 shares of one type of stock, and you become shareholder of that company. So it's not a public company, it's just a you hold all the uh, equity, all the capital of the company. And then whenever, at the end of the year, when you're taxed, you are taxed, self-employment taxed, on reasonable compensation. And that reasonable compensation is taxed for self-employment, Medicare, all that stuff, kind of like payroll, at 15.3%. Now, as an S-Corp, this is only a portion of your income. So there's an additional income that is considered um, your, it's considered an equity distribution. And it is not tax, self-employment tax. It is just taxed income tax. So that saves 15.3% of tax liability on that additional amount, which can end up being huge savings. Let me, I'll have a sheet, and I'll kind of try to break it down here. So say we have a company that, I'm gonna find my sheet, okay. Say we have a company that is a sole proprietorship, files a Schedule C, and they, net $150,000 a year. Well, their self-employment tax is going to be about $14,000 for that altogether. If they took that and they filed an S-corp, then they would pay themselves reasonable compensation, say 
$65,000. That $65,000 is taxed like the Schedule C with the 15.3%. Now we're talking about $9,000 in uh, self-employment tax. And then the net earnings is not taxed at all. So that additional thirty-five is or 85000 is not taxed at all. And you can file this paper for us. Oh, yeah. It's a very simple form. I, I can file it for anybody. Sweet. So it's a very quick and easy way to save about five to to anywhere upwards of twenty thousand dollars, depending on the size of the company we're talking. Who don't like that idea? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So another thing I've been trying to get through to Reg to uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of help with tax or not tax, just making his company more profitable all around is um, what we call project accounting in the accounting world. Um, in your business, I would say it's exclusion contract accounting. And basically what that is, is that revenue is recognized. Nope, I've got the wrong sheet of paper. <laughs> Let me start this over. Revenues and costs are assigned to a project and they're tracked by that project. So you can take that project and you can compare it to a past project, you can compare it to a future project, and you can kind of get an idea of how much a certain type of project has cost you historically, and you can start quoting better on your bids to uh, get your bidding more in line, make yourself more profitable, you can start budgeting for ways to make your company more profitable. You can start looking for ways to save your company money. You might notice that you're spending a lot in this one bucket and you really don't need to spend that much. You can save yourself some money. So, I mean, it all really depends on the breakdown, but... Project accounting would be a huge help for many companies in this industry. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, and she's uh, she's all but put the concept on an end of a mallet and hit me in the head with it. <laughs> I'm trying and, to, and I'm trying to I'm trying to understand it. It's, it's and what's hard for me, and and one of the reasons I asked Amanda to come on was there's a lot of new startups, a lot of new startups uh, that don't have a clue, and mm -hmm. they'll need they need guidance like Amanda has, and there's a lot of companies like myself that have been established for years, done things for years the wrong way uh, when you get to thinking about profit and expense. Uh, they could use their guidance and getting straightened out. Yeah. Who's not, who's not about making more money? And I, you know, Absolutely. I'd a whole, whole lot rather go to 
and I used her concept in mind when I went and bid this job that today, as a matter of fact, it was almost 10 grand, mm-hmm. uh, sold the job with a different approach to material cost and labor than what I had in the past, uh, which I compared and on the profit on the net side of things was about a $2,300 improvement in my net on this one job compared to how things used to be done. Awesome. Uh, so I'm all good with that. <laughs> yeah. But that's I'm, awesome. I'm glad you uh, put that into effect on that. That that'll I'm really a, help. I'm a, I'm old and set in my ways, and what's hard for me to do at this point is keep it implemented. And <laughs> that's where I know Amanda's just a phone call away. <laughs> yeah, right? And I, I am a phone call away for, from anyone, and I am on Facebook or LinkedIn. But, uh, yeah, that's awesome. And what you need to do now that you've started implementing this is keep these records so that way you can start comparing what you budgeted versus what it actually cost you, and you can kind of fine-tune this method and uh, get it more and more accurate over time because it, it's a it's a slow process, and it will take time to get it to where uh, you know exactly what you are spending on each project. Yeah, you said record, keep records, and you, that was just... That was right out the window with me at that point. Oh, here we go. (laughs) I know you're horrible at keeping records, but it is. Those those (laughs) records are important because how else can you make a decision? If you look at something and you don't know how much it's actually costing you, then how can you look at it and say, well, I think I can save 300 bucks in this bucket and I can cut off or I can add three heads and spend so many less days working and I can save myself 2000 bucks just by well, bringing in some contract labor. Easy. You know, the decision-making skills that I had before I met Amanda in the past were, <laughs> well, you know, I see $5,000 worth of bat work on this house right here, and I see a $2,500 AR-15 and a $4,500 pontoon boat. So <laughs> it's going to be about twelve five because there's gasoline. I see a pont. Yeah, there's definitely a pontoon boat and a new rifle on this house right here. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then, and then, I start the job and roll up a pontoon boat and a new rifle, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, you guys better get to work, man. Y'all are running me long on the payroll and. And, uh, man, I'm going to have to put my pontoon up for sale before it ever sees the water. <laughs> and, and so, yeah. and that, you know, and that's the old mentality because a lot of people in our industry, they see a job and they think, well, I'm going to need this for it also. They'll bid the cost of that piece of equipment in or that tool in, and and that's how we get equipment and tools. But then they're also well, I need, you know, new boots for this, or I need this for this, and they've done work for 15 years without that particular item, and uh, they could do it again one day, and they're just not budgeting right, and that's been my problem, is is not budgeting right. Right. If at all. And, a lot of people don't budget at all. They and I totally go with it. And I've had 
Amanda, I've thrown her name and phone number out and under the bus and everything else. I hope it's not under the bus, but I've had people <laughs> call me and go, well, what do you do for this? And how do you do this? And who who does your accountant for this? And this, listen, we've got a, a new lady that's fantabulous and here's her number. And when you get ready for taxes, give her a call because and, and get ready because she's going to straighten you out. <laughs> right. And, and it's not just taxes. I do the full bookkeeping that the lack of being able to track and budget. I can send me the receipts and I can do that for you. I, I'm set up with QuickBooks. I know how to make journal entries and prepare balance sheets and financial statements. So, outstanding service that Amanda provides to our industry. And I'm glad because you go through accountant after accountant after accountant in this industry trying to figure out somebody that has any kind of inkling about the service side of things. And our industry is still a fledgling industry. You don't mm-hmm. until Amanda. I have never heard of a an accountant that specializes in wildlife control. I'm sure there's accountants that's in wildlife control because they, you know, worked for a company or with a company for years just because the company was scared to try something different or go to somebody new. But right. Amanda's um, like. She, like she said, Amanda, you know, Jeremiah works for us when he can. He's certified. She sees it. I mean, she's got her hands in it. Mm-hmm. So yes, I do. She knows. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are a, a few, I guess, um, I would say tax planning concepts. I was kind of thinking I would... uh throw out here that not everybody knows about, Um, just ways of, I guess, decreasing your tax liability. Um, One of these concepts are fringe benefits. A corporation, like an S-corp, once it's established, you can pay your employee certain fringe benefits, and those are completely tax deductible. Uh, Cell phones is a fringe benefit, whether it's personal use, business use, the purpose of the company buying it is business, but it is 100% tax deductible as a fringe benefit. So Christmas bonuses are fringe benefits once you get S-Corp or C-Corp? I don't know that you actually have to be S-Corp or C-Corp. I think you can always pay your employees uh, bonuses as a uh, French benefit. Now, does the employee pay tax on it as an income? Uh, a, a bonus, yes. The employee would pay taxes. That would be the catch on that. The cell phone, however, is something that is not taxed to the employee. Some other things that wouldn't be a tax to the employee, um, I've got a whole list here. Vehicle? No, you can't give them a vehicle. Uh, Athletic facilities? You can put an athletic facility on your property somewhere and put a gym in there, 
exercise every day, separated from your house, fringe benefit. Let's see. Uh, dependent so care facilities. And mills. Mills are a big one. You can deduct 50% of your mills as long as you discuss business before, during, and after. doesn't have to be the entire time, but you have to have discussed business for some period before, during, and after the mill. Sweet. Yep. So all those are some that uh, a lot of people don't use, and they are considered a French benefit. Another thing, and this is something I just recently ran across, they use it with doctors and things that uh, they have their administrative office, and then they have a office separate from that, like, okay, my accounting firm. I keep all my records here in my house, so I have a portion of my home is my administrative office, but then I have an office in the town of Jennings to where I see the customers, my clients, and we talk and we meet and we go over things. Well, before having the administrative office in my house, my gas mileage to and from Jennings was considered commute to work, a personal expense. Now that I have an administrative office here in my house, that gas mileage is now a fully deductible uh, expense because I have no commute to work. My work starts here at my house. Cool. So that was, yeah, I found that very interesting. Another concept that I kind of, uh, I had mentioned to Reg in a conversation earlier today, they're called accountable plans. Now, S-Corps are not allowed to use the home office as a deduction. They're also not allowed to pay rent for their office at home. So they kind of they get screwed out of the whole home thing. What you can do, though, is you can make as conditions of employment, you have to maintain a home office. Put this in writing. Make sure that it's, you know, it, it says those exactly, that you have to maintain a home office or you cannot be employed with the company. Now the employee can submit an expense report, be reimbursed for the charges of the home office, and it is a fully deductible home office expense. Um, and there were two additional things that I was wanting to kind of so, talk about. So Go when ahead. I file that paper, when I file that paperwork, my home office is everything except my bedroom. No, when you <laughs> no, oh, <laughs> your wow. home office is still the same room it's in. You, you'll have to, <laughs> but you'll charge yourself a certain amount of rent and be charged in being reimbursed for it through the expense. Sweet. So another thing me and my husband have been looking at, we think it's kind of fun. Um, we're looking at 
figuring out a way to get a vacation home. You know, we'd all love to have a vacation home. Well, there's this concept called the Augusta Loophole, and it was established at the Masters Golf Tournament in Augusta, Georgia. Basically, all the people in the area of this was written out their homes for the 14 days of the tournament, and they didn't want to be penalized on taxes for renting their home out. So they took it to court, and they won. So now everybody can rent their vacation property or a rental property for 14 days tax-free. So if you do it right, you can purchase a vacation property, use it the rest of the year, and charge enough to pay your year's worth of rent in those 14 days. And then you have free vacation property. Canada, here we come. I was going to say, I think the phone will be ringing on that one. (laughs) Canada, here we come. (laughs) Right. I was thinking property on the Illinois River and then just hang out every weekend. But I had it worked out to where it costs us $3,600 a year to rent some property, and we rented it out for 14 days. Well, we could get 350 bucks for a Friday and Saturday out on the river, easy, right? That would bring in $4,900 in uh, income that is tax-free. It pays that $3,600 plus any insurance, plus our gas, plus our tube rentals and everything. You know, our vacations are now free. That's awesome. I've been eyeballing a little house in the Highlands on Scotland. (laughs) Well, you have to be able to rent it. You think you can talk someone into renting it for that much for 14 days? Hell yeah. Okay. If you can do the math. Who wouldn't want to stay in a who wouldn't want to stay in a castle? <laughs> oh well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you could talk someone into the cost, that would cost a pretty penny. I don't mind charging them. <laughs> right. So, yeah, and that was a loophole I actually learned about yesterday, and I have been all gung-ho about it. I'm like, I'm getting me some vacation property. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I had another note here to talk about. It is a new tax credit that I think would be extremely useful in the uh, wildlife control industry. It is called the Research and Development Tax Credit. So one thing that uh, people think of whenever they see research and development, they think of a bunch of nerds, nerdy engineers in an office trying to make new products, but that's not necessarily what it is. The IRS, let me talk, the Internal Revenue Code says specifically that this is for any company that designs, develops, or improves products, processes, techniques, formulas, inventions, or software. So I was thinking that would be perfect for this industry. You could be working on providing a new process that would uh, 
for developing more of that so-called humane services that everybody is boasting about. <laughs> you know, I know how you are on that, Reg. <laughs> but it is. It is a tax credit, and it comes back dollar for dollar. So those hmm. those would be the major tax saving things that I think anyone in this industry could use. Wow, that'll get me a new roof. I'll install a bad house <laughs> on my property, get them to propagate, and then have a steel well, roof has, put on and test and see if they get into focus. it. Well, Jennifer will be pleased with that customer service. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> You're right. She hired oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess there's nothing saying you can't hire your husband, is there? Yeah, I don't get hired. I get voluntold. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. So <laughs> I know it's a lot of information, especially these tax things. Any any questions or anything that you guys have on it? None that I have, other than I've got you on speed dial, and I'm good with that. So <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll have them come up because you have to, everything you've learned and discussed, you have to reschool my old. Uh, Jennifer told me not to cuss. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> my geriatric self. <laughs> Oh, how funny. She told you not to cuss. Jeremiah yeah. got on me too because I was, I was going to make a, like, it's not very professional comment there. Like, um, I'm dealing with people in the wildlife control industry. I don't, I don't think they're going to freak out over a non-formal comment. No, a lot of times we uh, kind of shout out a lot of that under our breath anyways. All <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, we may not call, I mean, there are some uh, wildlife control operators that do uh, kind of tell it like it is. I don't know if you went to Trump school or whatever, but. Um, I don't know any. <laughs> <laughs> no, none at all. <laughs> but, yeah, I, uh, a lot of that that you had mentioned, um, I already deduct um, and been doing it for quite some time. Um, well, good. I guess the planning, the planning thing, um, kind of comes across to me as something new. Um, mm. Budgeting, I guess you'd say, more than planning. Gotcha. So yeah, and that, I mean, that really helps with maximizing profit. You'd be amazed. Uh-huh. Well, I think you know, and as Kevin, I, I thought kind of along the same lines as yourself that it's more budgeting than it is planning and uh, maximizing profitability. But when I got to thinking about it the way Amanda started getting me to think about it, when you learn to maximize profitability, the budgeting comes easier. Uh-huh. And, you know, we've, we've budgeted one way for 15 years. But, man, if I can get, you know, doing it Amanda's way, I can get a, 15 to 25% increase on my profitability for the same price on a job, then mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm, you know, shit, I'm, uh, pardon me, I'm looking at it from Amanda's aspect at this point. I'm not looking at it from 15 years of, well, that's just the way Reg did it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but, we, I mean, we learn every day whether it's a new way or, you know, to do our own work. Uh, same thing with taxes. I mean, not everybody has the same enthusiasm or technology or information, say, like Amanda had. You know, there's, it seems like every so many years something like new comes up, you know, like she knows about the wildlife industry, uh, you know, would dig into some, some sort of deductions uh, that, say, an average tax, uh, tax person wouldn't know whether it's male or female. So she's a big asset to, it sounds like, to anybody's company. Oh, yeah, huge. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and if you think what? about it, a lot of people can't, normal accountants, without having the experience in the industry, you can't know how to take advantage of some of these aspects because the Internal Revenue Code just itself, is over 4,000 pages long. If you go and add the court judgments and decisions, we're talking a 70,000-page document that accountants have to research through to find answers. That's just on a federal level. So understanding an industry in the accounting field is a huge benefit that a lot of people can't offer. Well, Amanda, let me ask you, do you have uh, specific hours of operation that you want to adhere to for phone calls and such? Well, not necessarily specific, but if uh, I don't answer, leave a message. Um, I do. I have a day job for now uh, until it's, my business is a little bit new. I'm kind of trying to run off of the the knowledge that I've gained with my husband, but I do work like I said, in the aerospace industry for my day job, and it can be very demanding. Um, but if you leave a message, uh, I will call you back. There's, you know, I'll call anyone back anytime, pretty much. Um, I'm in the central standard time. Uh, and if anyone wants to call me, my number is 918-557-5955. Uh, you can also call, uh, find me on Facebook. My uh, Facebook page is Foladina, F-O-L-A-D-E-N-A, and you can search under Amanda Mitchell, of course. But I'm the one with the cute uh, Walker Hound dog on the page. (laughs) (laughs) My husband does coon hunt with Reg and some other people. You know, that's that's another thing that Amanda told me. You know, her her husband, after – 30-something years of training Labradors and doing duck work, her husband cons me back into coon dogs. I haven't trained a coon dog since I was a preteen. So now I've got three coon dogs. But they have gone under house already and run coons out in crawl spaces that I can't get into at my size. So now they're a company asset also. Yep. And every dime you spend on them is a write-off. And their vet bills write off, their feeds are write off, their kennels are write off. 
their collars and tracking devices are a write-off because they don't want to lose the high-dollar dogs that have training. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, she's brought to light things that I never in a million years would have considered for, a, you know, write-offs for the company and, and ways to think about how we operate as an industry and how I operate as a an individual company, a standalone company. And I mean, it's just, uh, her knowledge has substituted my midlife crisis. So now I don't have to go buy a motorcycle. <laughs> I've, got, I've got something else to think about. <laughs> oh, that's a riot. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I'm just, that's what Jennifer calls it. I've been looking real hard at an airplane, so. <laughs> well, well, I don't cool. know that I could justify an airplane unless you uh, travel to other states. Well, <laughs> the airplane I was looking at, and I think it could be used as as a J3 Cub because I can do pasture landings in it like they do up in the, the guide services of Alaska and Canada and stuff. And so when I get calls that are four hours away for coyotes, instead of driving four hours, I can fly an hour and land on their pasture. Gotcha. Well, like I said, if it's for, it's just like a car, an airplane would be. Uh, if it's for solely business purpose, it it can be justified. Sweet. I've got a bullet <laughs> to get an airplane. <laughs> but like I said, it has to be for full business purposes. You can't go fly into Hawaii on a vacation. Well, I understand that. J3 Cub wouldn't go to Hawaii. <laughs> okay, it, I, I don't know. So, somewhere along the way, it would start swimming. <laughs> <laughs> the company I work for during the day deals with uh, heat exchangers and actuators. We don't deal with the actual airplanes and what they do. <laughs> Is that a three-seater there, Reg? J3 Cub's a tandem two-seat. Yeah. Oh, two-seat, okay. If it's nice. set upright, tandem two seat, one sits behind the other, and there's a little storage area in the back. And it's the ones you see that have the big old balloon tires. You see it on Alaska Outdoors or whatever. Right. Uh, these outdoor shows, and they've got really big balloon tires, and they bounce all over the place when they land. Gotcha. It's like the one Marty has on Mountain Men, that show that me and my husband watch all the time. Yes. But, you know, Jennifer looks down on me for wanting to spend $300,000 on an airplane. <laughs> but I now it's a business not, expense. Right, but you have to make your company profitable enough to justify that business expense. You can't just start. I don't start. see what you're talking The hell I can't. What? Uh, uh No. You said well, I could have it, that? and that's all I. You said <laughs> I could have it, and that's what I'm going to tell Jennifer. But if you do that, then you'll be operating at, with a net operating loss. You won't be profitable. I'm trying to maximize your profitability, not increase your expenses. I'll be in the well, air. I won't care what goes on on the ground. Do you think oh, – let's think about this. So if you have $300,000 expense, how many years does it last? I guess it lasts a damn long time because they were last built in the 60s. They're still flying. Oh, geez. 
So let's say he reduced it over 15 years. All I heard in the whole conversation was Amanda said I could have it. <laughs> so, Do you think it could generate 20000 a year in additional income? Oh, yeah. If It would be worth it if it could uh, generate at least 20000 a year in additional income, and then you could depreciate it over a seven-year life basis, and it, that's all it will increase your cost, so... At twenty thousand, you'd break even on the cost of the airplane. Because if nothing else, if I wasn't using it in the course of work, I could lease it out to an instructor to give somebody tailwheel endorsement on their license. Gotcha. So it it pay for itself. So all I heard of in the whole thing was Amanda said I could have this, <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what I'm gonna approach Jennifer with. See how. Uh, okay. Uh, see I'm how gonna send her an additional text. And I'm going to say yes, but he needs to make twenty thousand a year in additional profit. Oh, <laughs> oh, no! Just say yes. I said he could have it. If he can make twenty thousand a year in additional profit. No, what you put in there is he needs this to make twenty thousand additional. Right. No, Not that's at least. Air- say he I needs the airplane. He- Say he needs the airplane, and with it, he will make an additional twenty thousand minimum a year. Do you think you can make an additional forty? I would say make an additional forty, and it would be def. I would. I'd send her a text saying, "Go for it." If you can make an well, additional forty thousand a year off of it, I know I can make an additional forty thousand the first year. Because if she didn't let me keep it, that's how much more I could get for what I put into it. <laughs> Gotcha. Oh, you're right. And she deals with me, Kevin, so you see how much easier it'd be for her to deal with everybody else. Oh, yeah. I understand. (laughs) He hears what he wants to hear. What's that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I didn't say nothing, (laughs) did I? Huh? (laughs) Right. I heard heard airplane. Airplane. He can have airplane. <laughs> okay. So what do you think? You got everything covered or you want to go on a little more? We're apparently an hour into our show. Uh, very informational. Being rich can get an airplane now. Yes. <laughs> and a vacation property. That's true, too. And I heard you... Heard just talking earlier before we started the show about putting things into the company's name to get, uh, was it 100% write-off or deduction? Oh, yes, like an automobile. It yeah. needs to be, uh, if the company owns it and uses it for 100% company use and um, you have another second vehicle for like personal use around town, getting groceries and whatnot, then your company vehicle is now 100% deductible. So they would have to they would have to prove that you use that for personal use. Then what happens? Uh, I know you said really 100%. If you have a, 
really there's not much you can do to prove it. If you have a second vehicle for personal use, right, is what you tell the IRS. Okay. And so it's, I mean, there's. You, so you go to the grocery store on your way to a job. I mean, it happens. Sure. <laughs> the idea is you have that second vehicle there to cover your personal expenses. That is your personal use car, and your business car is your business car, and it's used for business expenses. Uh, so if you had a truck like mine that was logoed, you drove from Oklahoma with Oklahoma logos on it to Vegas, for instance, and there wasn't a convention, and you weren't up there doing an inspection, and there just happened to be an IRS agent or an auditor that was sitting next to you at the slot machine in the casino that you walked into, and y'all got to talking, and they walked out with you and saw you get in your vehicle, and during the course of the conversation found out you were up there on pleasure. That would be a no-no? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would. I would not suggest doing that, Rich. Well, good. I don't want to go to Vegas anyway. <laughs> it's supposed to be what well, happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but by the sounds of that, right. it doesn't. Yeah. When you're dealing with accountants and auditors, we kind of have a uh, ethical code that we're supposed to live by. I mean, right. you know we're dealing with accountants, but right. uh, we're we're supposed to tattletale on those no-no's. <laughs> Okay. Looks like our our co-host Will walked in. <laughs> Hi, Will. Hey, how is everybody? <laughs> Her name's Pretty Amanda. Good. Will. Hey, how are you? <laughs> and I'm we good, have Reggie. We have Reginald Murray on call as well. Sweet. What's up, Reggie? Oh, not a lot. Just getting getting more scoop from Amanda. On He's planning on buying doing. an airplane. Yeah, she said I could have it. <laughs> anyway, find out if your bank account says yes. <laughs> right. It will once I have it. For hey, use it for beaver surveillance. She said I could have a Super Cub, which is about $500,000 instead of just the 300000 standard Cub. Oh, is that all? Nah. <laughs> right, that only brings you up to $30 in additional profit now a year. Well, I know, and that's what I need you to get past Jennifer for her to understand that I can get the Husky at a million two instead of the Super Cub. <laughs> oh. You keep raising the bar, Reg. Right? Hey, Jennifer will tell you quick. He don't take irons out of the fire. He throws extra gasoline on them. That's about right. That makes the fire bigger so he can stick more irons in it. Then Amanda will probably back her up on that. Do you have any questions there, Will, that you would like to kind of get to know about the taxable income, non-taxable income, and all that, or are you pretty well set? Uh, You're asking the guy that writes off his socks as uniforms. (laughs) Good, good, good. I like to hear somebody that does that. I'm making myself look broke on paper. That's good. I can always think of a few other ways. I found <laughs> one we were talking about earlier, and it's one that I'm really excited about because I'm trying to get a free vacation home out of it. It's uh, called the Augusta Loophole, and it's 
comes from the Masters Tournament in Augusta, Georgia. So what happens is all the residents around want to rent out their house because it's so busy that time of year. Well, they went to tax court and fought the IRS on paying income tax for those 14 days, and they won. So for 14 days a year, everybody can rent out their uh, vacation property or a piece of rental income or rental property for tax-free. Oh, yeah. You have have it rented for a minimum number of days. (laughs) No, no. You can only do 14 days. Anything (laughs) over 14 days, they'll tax you on. This is to get it tax-free. So if you have, like, say, I want to go buy a piece of property at Illinois River, and let's say I can get it for 350. 300 bucks a month. That's a little cheap. But that'd get me 3600 a year. We got five months of warm season here in Oklahoma. So I would need to make 720 a month or pay 720 a month to cover those five months. And if I rented it out for 14 days at $350 a day, I would make $4,900 a year on those 14 days and not have to pay taxes on it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> so it is free vacation. It pays my house, my land, my float trip. It pays my beer. It pays, you know, all my expenses <laughs> for the summer. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, that's the one. I, I learned about that one last night, and I'm just really on it. I'm like, we're doing it. Don't mention that to Jennifer before I get my airplane. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to make more profit to get your airplane. Mine's free profit. <laughs> well, it's no problem. I mean, you know, I found a pilot of Sporter for five five. Uh, but he said he would take five million even for it. <laughs> oh, three hundred thousand! Now we're up to five million. Yeah, I keep dreaming. Well, that's because you increased my profit margin. <laughs> <laughs> I have not done it that well yet. I think I need that boots in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> no, Will. In all seriousness, I've done things. I've done things for fifteen plus years one way. And I've implemented Amanda's ideas in the last three bids that we got. And we got them awarded uh, the last three inspections. But I was looking at the way I used to do it and the way I did it Amanda's way. And our profitability on the job had increased by 15% or more on all on all three jobs. Nice. Com- compared to how I Not- used to do it. So. Not to mention, I'm setting him up as an S-Corp, and I'm going to save him between, probably to start with the first year or two, about 5000 a year. But from there, as his profits go up, the savings go up. It can be anywhere from five to 20000 a year just on that S-Corp election. Yep. Sweet. Yeah, I'm here as a corporation thing myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are doing the S-Corp deal? 
Well, we're getting ready to do something. I haven't decided which one, but the money's rolling enough now that I probably need to take my personal name off the target. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So you haven't – see, there's a difference between a tax entity and a legal entity. So what you're talking here is you want to become a legal entity. Yeah, we actually incorporate to a legal entity to get my name off the target. <laughs> gotcha, absolutely. My advice would be an to become a legal entity of an LLC. This gives you the corporate shield of a corporation. So if, by God-fearing, the company gets some bad debt and the debtors go after the company, they can't go after you as an individual. That's what the LLC does. Now, the S-Corp election is a tax entity. The taxes, the IRS, does not recognize LLCs as an entity, but you have to be an LLC to elect to be an S-Corp, or else your income will flow as a sole proprietorship. So it will do you no good on taxes if you don't elect to do the S-Corp election. You'll still be taxed the same way. You'll get hit with self-employment tax, and that's really where the savings comes. Social Security is a huge one because as a proprietor or an LLC, anything other than S-Corp or Corp, we found out that you get taxed on your gross company at full force by the IRS. And then when you divide that up among the owners as net, you get full force tax on it again. So you're actually getting double taxed at full force by the IRS on what you make as a proprietor or just an LLC. So Amanda is setting us up. I, uh, I, I would have to say you have that little confused. Well, that's just what they said that Social Security was doing this because Social Security is the big tax that we're faced with every year. And they, for Social Security, they told us that they tax the full amount and then they tax our income. Okay. Amount. I'm going to see if I can clear this up for you. If it works, I'm working miracles here, Reg. Now, okay, so as a sole proprietor, you get tax on your Social Security, your Medicare. Employees are taxed on Social Security and Medicare. Um, But the big difference is when you're an employee working for a company, you pay half of that 15.3%, and the company you work for pays the other half of that 15.3%. So you're paying more on all those, and it's not just Social Security. It's Social Security, Medicare, it's SUDA, SUDA. I mean, you're taxed out the wazoo as a sole proprietor. So you're paying your 15, uh, 15% about income tax, and then you're paying your self-employment tax, which is your Social Security, and you're getting hit at about of your net income in total. What happens if you go to an S-Corp is you start, you become an employee of the corporation. Not all the income flows to you. So you start paying yourself what's called reasonable compensation. Hopefully you set that high enough or else the IRS will raise the reasonable compensation. Um, So you have to consider your time for everything you do, not just out 
trapping and fixing holes in roofs, you have to include your time spent marketing, your time spent looking at the books. You know, you have to, everything you do to keep the company up and running, you have to consider this in your reasonable compensation. That number, so say you're a company that makes $150,000 a year. As a sole proprietorship, your tax, 30.3%. Oh, I've got to pull out my calculator. Hang on. Okay, 150000 a year times 30.3%. Woo! Wow, that's high. Okay, so you'd have a tax bill at 150000 a year at that of about $45,000. If you sell proprietorship, you take that 150000 and you would say, I pay myself reasonable compensation of 65000 a year. And that's if you S-Corp. Right, that's if you S-Corp. Then you multiply that times the 30.3%. I'm doing this wrong. Minus 65,000 times 0.3%. Okay, now your bill has gone from 45,000 a year to just under 20,000 a year. And you are not taxed on that additional net income because that has gone uh, into your equity and it is being distributed as a, it's a distribution of your equity. Does that make any sense? Yeah, didn't it make? That's cool. (laughs) It made $25,000 in savings right there. And that's wonderful. And that's why you're going to do our escort paper. <laughs> right. Does that make sense to you, Will? Somewhat, but I didn't know if we – I thought you were taxed on retained earnings anyway. Uh, you, as an escort, no, you're not. You are taxed on your reasonable compensation. The rest well, of Well, I know personally. I was just thinking the business itself because I know the money doesn't just sit in the bank, so – Oh, no, the business itself is a tax on it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Any of that money is taxed. (laughs) You're just not getting taxed at your income rate. (laughs) No, no, you're not getting taxed at the business. The business doesn't file a tax return. It's considered a distribution of your equity. And so it's not taxed. Well, that'd be nice. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So your total tax bill goes down 19% or $19,000. No. Goes down $25,000 to about 19000 I could kill off that 150 in just one damn deduction, though. I mean, all of us guys driving their trucks as much as we do. I do 60,000 miles a year per truck. 
So uh-huh. you have like five and a damn near sixty cents a mile. There went that hundred and fifty. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, <laughs> we were talking on the truck deal. Do you have your? You're deducting mileage, but do you have a personal car separate? I've got nine vehicles. Yep. <laughs> Ooh, you got a chunk of vehicles. You should be able to deduct the full expense of those vehicles. I you shouldn't you have to deduct expense mileage. of the vehicle or mileage, one or the other. Um, it. Because but the full expense the, should the maintenance and operating expenses, or you could take the mileage alone. No. Because we if take our company, maintenance operating. We've always taken our mileage operating expenses, uh, and we turn in fuel receipts because you'll actually get more deduction on fuel receipts than you do on mileage. Actually, uh, unless you're getting crap mileage, that's not actually accurate. <laughs> you actually will get per tank of gas more deductions on the miles driven than you do for the pay what that went in. Well, we never have. Yeah, and he's talking nine automobiles too. And that size of automobiles, it it, it definitely kind of starts the oh, yeah. logic starts shifting. Yeah, sixty thousand miles a year is thirty six thousand dollars deduction. Right. Per truck. So yeah. that by nine, that's three hundred and twenty four thousand dollars. Right. No yeah, way. You spent that much operating your vehicle. <laughs> it is. It, it starts shifting when you're talking that much, uh, that all, many cars. On how many all. miles you're running. If you're not running big mileage, then yes, you need to be taking that operating expense. But you really need to deduct it down is to figure out how much you're spending per mile. So you got to divide mm-hmm. out what your mileage is by the cost per gallon of fuel to see which one's actually higher. Almost 90% of the time, you're actually getting a better deduction than you're actually spending on maintenance and everything. Well, is it 55% federal here, Amanda? Is, I mean, is that the standard 55. for the IRS, or is it? Uh, it's like anywhere 50. between 54 and 50, <laughs> yeah, 54 and 58 cents a mile. It depends on the uh, the year, really. I mean, it, it varies. Yeah, it changes every single year. you got to look at it, but it averages just below 60 for about the past five or six years. Yeah. Luckily, but yes. it does our taxes, too. <laughs> <laughs> this sits here for two months going, why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. so, yeah, if you're running large number of miles, you're shooting yourself in the foot taking the operating expense of the truck. Uh, absolutely, right off a brand new truck. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. So well, Amanda, at three thousand plus miles a month, what would you recommend? You run that many miles a month? Yeah. Well, I mean, we'd have to sit down and do the math. Or How more. much are your expenses broken down to? I mean, it actually there's math behind it. But that's all right. Well, there's something else in your basket of things for me. <laughs> gotcha. Totally gotcha. That would so, give you, I think, about 14400 deduction on mileage alone. So mm-hmm. 3000 a month, that's really not that high. You probably are doing better with just 
your expenses? Because you're also taking like truck payments, probably oil changes and everything else. Exactly. Yeah, we have no truck payments, but yeah, anytime we buy tires, vehicle, new motor, whatever. Yeah. Well, and a lot of what's hurting you is the uh, you use it for personal use too. Yeah, so that's a big thing too. You can't write that off. But if you have another vehicle, which this is a loophole that I like, if you have uh-huh. any other vehicle that you can say is your personal vehicle, then you can alibi all those miles on that business truck. <laughs> yeah, that's yep. what we do. Because we have Jennifer's unmarked vehicle yeah. that's that's not company registered at all in our trucks are company owned so oh all my trucks are under my personal name so but it's just the fact that i have that other truck that i'm not deducting anything on that allows me to load up everything else which i did some quick math if you're deducting your fuel receipts you're doing about 20 cents a mile so by the time right, you're yeah. oil change and everything else, you're less than thirty cents. So you're almost half of what your actual mileage deduction would be. That's why I pay cash for trucks too. <laughs> then you don't have to worry about that truck payment depreciation. <laughs> well, you still want to depreciate it. Well, you can, yeah, but. When I'm loading up that heavy, I don't want to make the IRS have too many red flags. <laughs> Depreciation shouldn't be a red flag. No, I mean, it's a capital asset. When I when I'm showing several hundred thousand dollars profit, but I don't make shit. So. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> I gotta, if you're I gotta capable them, of stop. doing that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only do that because my parents actually got audited when I was a kid because of mileage deductions. So. We behave ourselves um, to a point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even though even though they came out ahead, it was still like a year of headache to deal with. So Right. Audits are not fun, that's for sure. If you can avoid an audit wherever possible. Yep. So I I'll give them a, so. a bone just so they stay off my back. Yeah. So I don't know if you've um heard about it yet. Earlier we were talking about um I guess about a year ago they have a new tax credit called the research and development tax credit and it doesn't now it doesn't have to be for new products it can be for new processes and things like that and so i thought that would be something that um this industry could really use working on new more so-called humane methods of trapping and uh the exclusion project projects and things like that. They have to look into that one for research and development of a product. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, that was something that caught my eye as something that the industry in general could take advantage of. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that one. Product out, yep, probably be a good idea. Of course, it's a <laughs> yeah. separate entity anyway, so I'm already writing off a crap load, too. <laughs> right. Uh, if you can get it down to a net operating loss for the IRS. <laughs> yep, that's about it, too. I didn't make uh-huh. anything. <laughs> right. And then the loss rolls over for so long or carries forward for so long, and so it helps whenever you do start making a project, pro- 
the profit, but it only lasts, you can only operate at a loss for, I can't remember, but for a couple of years. I'd have to look at the exact number. Yeah, when you show too many in the red years, they start wondering why you're still in business. Yes, they do. looking at you. <laughs> yes, they do. Absolutely. So you you got to have a couple years in the loss and then get enough of a loss that carries forward and then start working in in the black again, get your numbers good, then go back to the loss for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> I just it, keep it hovering at about the same amount. <laughs> I'm not really growing, <laughs> but I'm not losing. So. Right. Yeah, that works too. Wow. Okay. Kevin, I noticed that there were some people in and out on the computer. Did anybody type in any questions for Amanda? No, sir. Yeah, I couldn't get my computer to log into the chat, so I'm not on there. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed there wasn't any questions, but no big deal. And there's Normally, when you talk accounting, a lot of people are like, uh, tune out for the moment. <laughs> I won't well, lie. A, lot of it, a lot of it really has to do, too, that this is kind of our off day as far as usually we're the first uh, first Wednesday of the month. So it's kind of hard to get everybody to change for just one specific week, you know? Gotcha. So that that could be a possibility why there really hasn't been a whole lot. But it's amazing how many people go back through and listen to the pre-recording. Obviously, they can't ask any questions, but hopefully we've went through everything, whether we've back and forth it and covered whatever uh, exclusively. So down down towards the end of the podcast that they understand what exactly what their question was and it's answered, you know. Right. And if not, they can reach out. Yeah, then again, we also uh, prompt you to throw your name and number out there again and just so it's periodically there and they don't have to listen to the whole podcast, uh, which is nice, but to get your information. And we do post that at the end of the program as well. Um, okay. Like when we, once, the, once the pre-recorded is done, then we uh, put your name, number, uh, you know, what you can, where you can be uh contacted through, you know. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, so that's why we say you can give yourself plugs, whatever, however, you know. Gotcha. So we we pretty much got you all worded out now, or? Uh, Yeah, I think we talked about pretty much the gist of it. Okay. Well, we'll end the podcast then, and I want to thank you, yourself, Amanda Mitchell, um, for coming on and kind of giving us some insight on cuts and bonuses and taxes and ins and outs of everything. And I'd also like to thank Reginald Murray for uh, coming on and maybe getting an airplane. (laughs) 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 But... uh, Anyways, I thought it was pretty informational, informational, and I also want to thank Reg for getting uh, Amanda to come on. Um, I, I don't know of too many podcasts that talk about, you know, about the income tax part of things, and 
to where you can get cuts and all that. So uh, mm-hmm. again, want to thank Amanda for uh, giving her our giving her her expertise. Absolutely, thank you, Amanda. Yeah, absolutely, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to get on. I know and, it's and hard to uh, it, it's hard for me to talk about because that's accountants not really getting on and talking about things isn't our expertise. We like to get into numbers and books. So I'm sure you could tell at first I was very nervous. But um, I, I appreciate it. I'm getting my name out there really, really helps. And I, I, I enjoy the field. I enjoy the industry. I, I don't exactly go out trapping and doing jobs a whole lot myself because I have my day job. But <laughs> I go out coon hunting with my husband on occasion and things like that. So she's been on goose. She's been on goose jobs with us and she hears the lingo all the time and keeps, (laughs) uh, keeps me straight and keeps her husband straight and the new co work and what can be done and what can't be. And can we do it ourselves to save money? And I want to throw out a thank you once again for being on and texting Jennifer that the 25 million for the G5 jet is a seal. <laughs> and... <laughs> uh, why don't you just go for a Boeing, what is it, 7... 737? Yes, that's 737. Oh, they it's... require they require a co-pilot. I don't want nobody sitting next to me. Oh, okay, well. I wish they can go for the millions of dollars. And then I can get some uh, get a work for a day man. job too. <laughs> that's what I found a G five for twenty five million, and that's a steal. <laughs> <laughs> the last word I heard from you was J E T. Yeah, that that's Imagine, imagine the fuel write-off. What do you mean? All you did was taxi, and it cost sixty thousand dollars in fuel. <laughs> <laughs> do you own do you own a G five? Believe me, it costs that much to start it. <laughs> oh, so okay, you we're talking and the profitability goes up. Yeah. So Amanda, <laughs> do you wanna give your um Facebook shout out again, please? Okay. Uh yeah, my name's Amanda Mitchell and my company is WM Business Consulting and my phone number is nine one eight five five seven. Five nine five five. You can also find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Foladina. Uh, it's F O L A D E N A. Yeah, that is from back in my uh, game geek days and playing on games. Um, and I also can be found on LinkedIn under Amanda Mitchell. Um, there are two sites: one for aerospace and one for the uh, wildlife control. So make sure you got the right one. Anyways, thank you, and I appreciate the time and you guys letting me be on. You're welcome. How about you, Red? You want to give a shout out? Shout out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are still on when I got here. <laughs> most most people have heard me enough and know my voice, but Reginald Murray with Oklahoma Wildlife Control and serving all of Oklahoma and half of Texas and parts of western Arkansas. And Alaska, if he can get there. Yeah, we're easy to (laughs) 
easy to find, but if somebody needs to get a hold of us, they can call us at toll free. It's eight five five seven eight seven wild or OklahomaWildlifeControl.com. I know it's a long title, but it serves the purpose. No, we don't. We don't sell hunting and fishing license, so we're not that. We're not that Oklahoma department. So you need to work on a different route, though, too, Rich. You need to look on the for sale side, so then you could just pay cash for that jet. <laughs> That's what I'm screaming. That is what I'm screaming. This $32 million G6 with the bent wing, that can be repaired. <laughs> just give me some oh hammer and duct tape. We got this. <laughs> I am going to be in so much trouble by Jen. Yep. How about you, Will? You want to give yourself a shout-out? Oh, if if you don't know me, you're in the wrong place. Will Langman, owner of Langman's Wildlife and Pest Control. Eastern That's Illinois and Western Indiana. <laughs> Oh hell! What is our number? Eight six six three nine nine one four zero three. I don't typically call the office much. So. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. How am I supposed to know what our number is? I don't call it. <laughs> okay, I'm going to conclude our show here. Thanks everybody for uh, attending, and I hope it was informational for you. <laughs>